You are now listening to Theology Applied, a podcast of Eternal City Church, where theology walks the pavement. Today, we will be talking about God's will. How can we know what God's will is? What happens if I step outside of the will of God? And is there more than one facet to God's will? We will biblically examine these questions and more on today's Theology Applied. Welcome to another episode of Theology Applied, and today we're going to be talking about God's will. God's will is one of those aspects of the Christian's life that is often confusing, but if you have clarity on what exactly are the aspects of God's will that I should focus on and not focus on, it can be liberating and freeing. I've been a pastor now for about 12 years, five years on a team of pastors, and seven years about now as a lead pastor of a local church. And I have had this conversation about God's will, God's leading, God's guiding. Where does God want me to to go? What does he want me to do? Who does he want me to be with? Should I make this decision? Should I not make this decision? What does God want is the question. And so I think this will be helpful. We're going to look at it theologically and biblically today. I'm going to quote some of my uh, favorite theologians and authors uh, for help. Uh, But first off, let's talk about two aspects of God's will. One is his decretive will. And you think about a decree. God decrees something and it will come to pass. So this is God's sovereign will, but it's also his secret will. We don't really know what God's sovereign purposes are for the future. And he doesn't reveal them. They're secret. His decretive will. Secondly, his prescriptive will. It's God's revealed will or his will of command his prescriptive will. Now I'm going to quote John Frame here from his systematic theology. And he says, God's decretive will is simply God's decree. It is his eternal purpose by which he foreordains everything that comes to pass. God's prescriptive will is his valuations, particularly as revealed to us in his word, his precepts. So prescriptive precepts. The decretive will focuses on God's lordship, his attribute of control. The preceptive will on the lordship or attribute of authority. So God has authority to prescribe what we should and should not be doing. His revealed will, what we uh, must do or not do in order to please him or what displeases him. God's decretive will cannot be successfully opposed. It will certainly take place. We could see this in Daniel 4, 34 and 35. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. None can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? This is God's sovereign will. It will certainly take place. Let me finish the quote here. It is possible, however, and often the case for creatures to disobey God's preceptive will, meaning what God foreordains, what he sovereignly decrees will take place, and often what he sovereignly decrees to take place overrides his revealed will. He sovereignly chooses to allow us to make sinful choices and override his revealed will, what is 
in Scripture clearly commanded and not commanded to accomplish his greater purposes or his sovereign will. And this is the mystery of God's will. All right, so let's dig in a little bit. Decretive will, again, is God's sovereign and secret will. And from now on, I'll be, I'll be calling it that, his sovereign will or his secret will. His preceptive will is his revealed will or his will of command. It's what's clearly in the Bible. You can't mistake it. It's black and white, no debating. There it is. So let's first talk about where we see this in the Bible combined. We see in this specific passage in Deuteronomy 20, 29, both the sovereign will that is secret and the revealed will, which is for everyone to read and should obey. All right, Deuteronomy 29, 29 says this, the secret things belong to the Lord, our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. Now, this this is the final um, chapters of Deuteronomy, and Moses is about to die and hand over the leadership of the Israelites to Joshua, and he has given them the law. He has given them what God wants. He has clearly laid it out, and so he's saying that, yes, the secret things belong to God. What he has chosen not to reveal, his secret sovereign will, that is a reality. However, the things that are revealed, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the the Pentateuch, they belong to us, Moses says, and to our children forever, that so that we may do all the words of this law. Now, that is both the secret sovereign will and the revealed will in one verse. And what's helpful to realize is we are not responsible for knowing God's secret will. Uh, We'll get to this later in the podcast, but we are not responsible to somehow conjure up God's secret will for the future and then act in this way that we believe we are receiving God's secret will for us. We are not uh, anywhere in the scriptures required to seek out or to find what God's secret will is and then act on it. So let's talk about his decretive will or his sovereign will, his secret will. James 4, 13 to 16 is one of the most clear places where we can see God's secret will. James says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. So business people, they're like, look, we're going to go here. We're going to do this. We're going to make money. We're, we got these plans. Yet, verse 14, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. You don't know what's going to happen tonight. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen next week. What is your life, James says, for you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. You are the steam on your morning coffee or tea. It's here and then boom, it's gone. That's what you are. That's your life. It's very short. It's very temporary. Instead, verse 15, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live. (laughs) I love that. If God wills, you're going to live tomorrow. And then he says, and do this or that. So if you live tomorrow, that's according to God's will. If you do this or that tomorrow, that's also according to God's will. Verse 16, as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. What James is saying there is not that Christians should add this tagline onto every future thing they declare. I'll see you tomorrow, Lord willing. He's not saying that that's what we should do. He's saying in our mind, the way we think about tomorrow, we should always have this overarching understanding that if God wills, 
we shall get there tomorrow, we shall live and do this or that. If we imagine that we ourselves are our own life force, we are self-existence, that we have control of the world in and of ourselves, that's arrogant, that's boastful, your pride has blinded you. That's what James is saying. So you should always have in the back of your mind, if you're a Christian, if the Lord wills, I will live and do this or that. That's what James is saying. So he's talking about God's secret or sovereign will and the way that we should approach it. He's not, James is not saying you should try to figure it out before you say we will do this or that. No, he's saying you should have in your mind, if God wills, you will do this or that. And if God doesn't will, no, you won't. And that's okay. We're not told you must figure this out ahead of time and then act accordingly. Psalm 135, five to six says this, For I know that the Lord is great and that our Lord is above all gods. Now, in the Old Testament, when the Psalms were written, there were many gods, the gods of the nations. And uh, we learned from Paul that these these are demons. These are demons impersonating gods, but yet they did have real power in the earth and people really did worship them. And they often would do terrible things like sacrifice their children or cut themselves or brutalize their own bodies uh, for the sake of these demon gods. But what the psalmist is saying that our God, the Lord, Yahweh, is great and he's above all the other gods. And then verse six, whatever the Lord pleases, he does. Pretty plain. Whatever God wants to do, he is going to do. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and on earth, in the seas and all deeps. In other words, whatever God wants to happen on the globe, it is going to happen. He does whatever pleases him. This is God's sovereign will, but it's also hidden from us. It's his secret will. The way you could think about it is it's whatever takes place. Whatever happens in your life, what your whole history up to this point where you've seen this video and even you're now watching this video is a part of God's sovereign will for you, his secret will for you. Now, As Christians, as I said, we're responsible for knowing and doing God's revealed will, not knowing and doing his secret will. Here's John Frame again. Now, this is going to be a little longer, but I I thought this was helpful, which is why I wanted to bring it to you. John Frame says that the way that we should go about trying to understand what is our role in in, in concerning God's will, we should, one, always seek to obey his commands. What is clearly laid out in the word is God's revealed will. That's what you're responsible to do. But there are things in life that you will have to make decisions on that the word does not speak to. You know, where should I move? Who should I marry? Should I make this decision? Should I take this job? Should I not take this job? Should I get in partnership with this person? And and if there's no clear biblical even uh, pointing at something that would say yes or no to that, then you have to use what the Bible calls wisdom. We are to walk in the wisdom of God, which in short is understanding God's word and how it relates to God's world. That's the basic wisdom. So John Frame here talking about wisdom, he says wisdom is not only obeying scripture in the big obvious ways, It is also, according to the Proverbs, intelligence, knowledge, skills, understanding circumstances, including their likely consequences, self-knowledge, understanding other people. It is a discernment that comes through reading scripture, but a reading arising out of spiritual maturity and experience. 
So wisdom comes through spiritual maturity and experience. It's a both and. Thus, it is the ability to weigh pluses and minuses of the alternatives before us. This too is obeying scripture. For scripture requires us to be wise, to redeem opportunities. So John Frame sees acting in wisdom as a part of God's revealed will because the Proverbs and other passages talk about you should be wise. Now, John Frame continues, God wants us then to make our decisions as wisely as possible. This is his preceptive or revealed will. For God's preceptive or revealed will includes not only the words of Scripture itself, but the good and necessary consequences of Scripture. When one choice is wiser than another, God's revealed will or perceptive will tells me to make the wiser choice. On the other hand, if the two possible decisions are indistinguishable in terms of wisdom, then we may say that either decision is within God's will. Sometimes you will have uh, two alternative choices. None of them contradict the word. None of them are wiser than the other. And so therefore, both of them fit into this concept of God's will. It is thus that God guides his people through spirit-given wisdom, Based on scripture, wisdom that enables us to understand what is at stake in our choices and to evaluate those circumstances in a godly way. Through such guidance, God reveals to us our vocation or occupation uh, to invoke a good reformation term. I do not therefore believe that we absolutely need a third category in addition to the decretive and prescriptive will. In other words, John's saying, do we really need this idea of what is God's will for my life in terms of my choices? Which, um, you know, cereal should I have in the morning, God? (laughs) Do I do Fruity Loops or do I do Pebbles? What is your will for my cereal choice here? Uh, A dumb, dumb illustration, but you get it. So John's saying, "I, I don't think we need a third category, But we should not oversimplify our understanding of God's preceptive will. It includes not only the explicit words of Scripture, but the words of Scripture applied to each of us. Using the God-given gifts of intelligence, spiritual discernment, and so on. few more things from John Frame. So, I suggest the following teaching for such inquirers. Those who want to understand, okay, what do I think, how do I think about God's will in pertaining to my decisions that do not directly contradict scripture and that seem to be wise? What, what do I do? God guides us through his decrees, his written word, and spirit-given wisdom. One, by his decrees, he opens doors and closes them, giving us some opportunities and withholding others. But those circumstances of our lives do not in themselves tell us how to behave. In other words, God's secret will, you can see it in what happens. What doors open for you, what doors close for you. That is evidence of God's sovereign will. His decrees, uh, I'm sorry, by scripture, number two, by scripture, he tells us what he wants us to do, showing us how to respond to these circumstances. So scripture tells us what he wants us to do, showing us how to respond to whatever is happening, which is his sovereign will. Number three, by spirit-given wisdom, God enables us to apply scripture to circumstances. 
Certainly, God knows what kind of life we would live if all our decisions were as wise as possible. We should not hesitate then to describe that life as God's will. This is not to say that if we make an unwise decision, we have missed out forever on God's will for our lives. After we make an unwise decision, we should turn to get God's wisdom again, confident that it will lead us in the path of blessing. John frames helpful there. So he's saying that we can see God's will, his secret will, in what happens. Then we can use God's scripture to respond appropriately to whatever happens. And then thirdly, we apply scripture by the Spirit's wisdom. The Holy Spirit will give us wisdom. Now, ending on wisdom, because I think this is what we need. Proverbs 28, 26 says this, whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool. It's foolish to trust in your own reasoning, intellect, and capabilities to make decisions. But he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. God's saying, don't walk in your own wisdom, walk in God's wisdom. Proverbs 28, 26. Uh, I also appreciate Tim Keller. And Tim Keller, in a helpful article on how to discern a vocational call, again, vocation is your occupation. What, what does God want me to do with the gifts, talents, and skills that he's given me? Tim sees three aspects to, to discern a call. And here they are. One is affinity. In other words, a liking or a desire. And he says, what people needs, quote unquote, people needs, do I resonate with? In other words, what do you want to do? And what people needs will this doing help to fulfill? Okay, number one is affinity or desire or liking. Number two is ability. What are my abilities and deficiencies? So maybe you want to do something, but you don't have the ability to do it. You know, you may want to be a physician, but you do not have the capacity for that. God has not built you for that much schooling and you don't like blood, but you do want to help people. Probably not being a physician, you know, if that's your deal. Do you have the abilities to do it? Number three, opportunity. Where does the community tell me I am needed? That's helpful. So affinity, again, is the, is the desire piece, the liking piece. And Tim says, look out. Affinity is the normal, existential, priestly way to discern a call. What people needs do I vibrate to? And he means by vibrate uh, emotional response. Ability, look in. Ability is the normal, rational, prophetic way to discern a call. What am I good at doing? What am I good at? Opportunity, look up. Opportunity is the normal, organizational, kingly way to discern a call. What do the leaders, my friends, believe is most strategic uh, and this, the most strategic kingdom need? Now, here's what I want to say about this. In order to have this affinity, ability, opportunity, or look out, look in, look up, as Tim is saying, you need to be in community because we can often deceive ourselves. You may have a desire to do something and you think you have the ability but your friends and your family know, eh, that's not going to work. You're, you're not built for that. And so in community, they can say to you, I don't, I don't know, brother. Have you really thought about this and point out something that may contradict what you think? Yes, I can do this. I have the ability. And then perhaps you have, you have the desire, the affinity. You have the ability to do it, but there's no open doors. 
There's just no doors opening for you. Perhaps this particular thing that you're trying to accomplish, it's not God's will because you got two out of the three. So you have to have all three in place, Tim would say, to, to discern a call. Uh, and I think that's a helpful way to make decisions by. Do I have the desire? Do I have the ability? And is the opportunity presenting itself to me? Now, Proverbs 15.22 talks about community. All right? Community is so important, friends. Proverbs 15.22 says, Without counsel, plans fail. Without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. You cannot be a lone ranger. You cannot be this isolated hero individual. You are not Superman, if you like DC Comics. You cannot be this person who is isolated and heroic and wise unto themselves. God made us for community because he is a community and we are made in his image. And so we need other people to speak into our life in order that we may be wise. We cannot be wise on our own. James 1 verse 5 tells us that if we lack wisdom, which we all do, we should ask for it and God will give it. Here's what James says. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. James says, look, if you're stuck, you need to call out to God for wisdom and God will give it to you. God is not stingy with the wisdom. He he will give it to you generously. And so I want to implore you, if you're stuck, ask God for wisdom, get counsel, talk to friends. Perhaps you can talk to a pastor. My, my hope is that you're in a local church, that there is wise people you can consult and counsel with about the things of your life. Um, Colossians 2, 2b to 3, Paul is writing to the Colossian Christians and he says, I I want you to be full of assurance and understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. And then he says, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And I love what Paul says here because he says, wisdom itself, understanding and knowledge itself are hidden and wrapped up in Christ. And so, Yes, there is a kind of worldly wisdom that can be achieved without knowing Christ. You cannot know biblical wisdom without knowing Christ intimately. So you, you by knowing Christ, also know his spirit because the Holy Spirit is the spirit of Jesus, the spirit of Christ. He's also the spirit of God, the Father. He is the Holy Spirit. They are a, a trinity. They are a triune God. And so In Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and understanding. And you can go to God, as James says, and ask for wisdom. There is no wisdom outside of God's wisdom that is ultimately helpful. So go to God and ask for wisdom. Seek out your your local church pastors. Uh, Seek out local church spiritual friends who have wisdom. Um, read your Bible and, and memorize it and meditate on it as Psalm 1 says, and you'll be like a tree whose roots go deep down and, and soaks out of the, the nourishing moist soil, uh, and you'll flourish in season and out of season. And lastly, I just want to commend maybe two books. One is very simple, and, and this one's on audio. It's in print. It's Kevin DeYoung's Just Do Something. 
a liberating approach to finding God's will. This book I, I read many years ago, listened to many years ago, and I've gone back to it, and I've given it away many times as a gift to people. Very easy read, and, and Kevin lays out a case for God's will and God's wisdom very, very clearly and simply. And then secondly, a, a bigger book and more depth of, of insight, a more um, heavier read is Gary Friesen's Decision Making in the Will of God, a biblical alternative to the traditional view. The traditional view would be that God has this very specific tight line that you must walk on and that's his will. And if you veer off of the line, you've stepped out of God's will and you've basically ruined your life. And that's just not biblical. Um, God's will is whatever happens to you, good and bad, that fits into his sovereign will. Yet what are we responsible for? We are responsible for what God has clearly revealed in his word. And what God has clearly revealed in his word is that we should also use wisdom to make decisions. If we have two alternatives before us and neither of them are sinful, neither of them contradict what is clearly laid out in the word, and we've asked for counsel from other Christians, and we've, we've weighed all the options, then friend, you can make either of the decisions. And God will either open the door for the decision you make, and that will be his will, or he'll close the door and perhaps the other one uh, you can go through. But you can trust that if you have searched the scriptures and sought the answer of, does the Bible give a clear yes or no to this, okay? If, if it does not, then you need the wisdom. And if you don't have the wisdom, you need to, one, ask God, James uh, 1, 5, and then you need to seek counsel from other Christians, your local church, other pastors. Uh, friends, this is Theology Applied, and so we're seeking to make big concepts uh, easy to understand, helping make big theological truths walk the pavement. And I hope that this little short podcast on God's will was helpful to you. Uh, and again, if you want to go deeper, read Kevin DeYoung's book or Gary Friesen's book. See you next time.